It's Eric with a Boom Howdy, and I'm still recovering here from South by Southwest, but I'm here and I'm talking, so I guess things are going okay. Uh, today I got an interview I got lucky enough to get with a first-time feature director. I'm going to only say this once. I'm going to only try it once, so don't laugh at me. Anita Roca de Silveira. She's a Brazilian filmmaker. She was at the fest with a film called Kill Me Please, which I enjoyed immensely. Uh, I was lucky enough to catch up with her at a coffee shop, so excuse all the clinking and laughing and sounds out there, but we had a nice little conversation. I hope you dig it, and uh, as always, thanks for listening. No, but I'm really liking the festival. This yeah. is the only problem, but I'm getting some free food over right, here, yeah. over there. I just, I'm walking to a coffee shop, and they gave me a free scone and coffee this morning. Oh, so great. I, just yeah, no, I have some free guacamole today. There's lots of free stuff. And I went so. to the trade show and I got a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I did that the first day too. I had like two bags worth of things. I didn't know what to do with. Uh, is there any more times that you're filming screening here? Or more show times. Tomorrow, tomorrow and the, on the 18th. Okay. Tomorrow so morning and on the 18th. But I'm leaving tomorrow because the film is going to the new directors, new films. And there is on the 17th the screening. So tomorrow in the morning I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> so you've gotten to watch it with an audience a couple of times? Yes. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch it, because right, uh, yeah. but I went to present and then to the Q&A. And that's all been yeah, fun? Yeah, the reception was very good. I think there's something that's, the beginning is kind of bad, but it's great since it's an international film. Mm-hmm. Don't have so much, at, there are so many people looking forward. So a lot of people with the events yeah. get in. Yeah. The, all the screens are full, but for the international, a lot of people is the one that are the film students, not the one that can afford right, the, the yeah, badge. Absolutely. So there are a lot of teenagers and like university students in the screening, and they come to talk very passionate about the film. They they weren't running to right. another screening after, so I could after the screening also interact with a lot of people nice. like in the twenties that really like the film. And that was great. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. When I finally got to watch it this morning, I had to cheat and watch it on my computer so I didn't get to go to a screening. <laughs> I didn't expect the festival to be as crazy as it is, just running everywhere yeah, all yeah. the time. Uh, but the visual thing that struck me when I got through with it that I was wondering about your decision and I loved it was, uh, I'm not sure it's every female character, but most female characters at some point get center frame and stare straight into the yeah. camera. And could you talk about that a little bit? I think there are two reasons. There are a lot of reasons right, actually. Yeah. The ones that are some influenced by some oriental filmmakers, and I like this kind of frontal approach. Right. Yeah. In the beginning, it was like uh, always fighting with my DP because he likes to put some perspective. I said, no, let's just, I like this way. I think that creates more intimacy with the characters. Mm-hmm. And the second reason is like Instagram and the selfies, because right. now people oh, yeah. are yeah. used to always framing right. like yeah. this. I didn't even consider that. Like, I, considering the subject matter, I thought it was more of a way that to intimately be introduced to these girls, like eye contact with Yeah, no, in the beginning yeah. was that, and then I realized, real, because I, I like to plan a lot of the shooting before, and I go to the set with like a storyboard of photos and things like that. And then I started, re- I, I started like making photos with both my assistant in the location, okay, stand right here, and I make the photos to, to then show to the crew. And then I started looking, this, this, seems, this looks like a selfie. <laughs> That's great. It is. That's, I didn't even think of that. that is like, yeah, you captured two things there. And then the other thing I thought your film visually and emotionally captured that a lot of white guys like me probably don't understand is walking home at night as a woman. Like yeah, how terrifying yeah. that can be. How that fit into there. 
I think especially in this neighborhood that are short because it's a place that it's not built to go walking. And I think that many cities in the United States can relate to that. There are cities made to be in, the, be in a car, right. not to go walking to a place to another. And so, and I, and I think as a woman, I grew up with all these fears that mm -hmm. my mother and everybody passed to me. Right. You can't do this, you can't do that, you have to get a cab. But the cab driver can be always also a right, rapist. Yeah. So I have to get a cab and call me when I get in the cab. If I don't pick up, pretend that I pick up. Right. And things like that that were taught as a young girl to do, that you are always right. in danger and that bad things can happen. It's I mean, again, it's just subjective, my interpretation, but that seems kind of like what the movie was trying to capture in a larger sense of, especially like a, a pubescent teenage girls that are, like, they're attracted to sex just like everyone else, but it has that added, like, element of danger to them, so they have to kind of reconcile. Yeah, like, yeah. Want, like, being attracted to it and fearing it at the same time. Yeah, for instance, in the one, like, the, the beginning of the film, they call the story of the bathroom blonde, that's the equivalent of Brazil for the Bloody Mary. And I don't know how many things about the Bloody Mary, but the bathroom round is a very sexualized story. Right. It basically says, if you're promiscuous girls, you are gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> and, basically, and there are a lot of urban legends also that comes with these spirits. You, you do what's morally forbidden, and especially for the girls. Since right. like, the heads, head hoods, how do right. they say? Is that, is that in English? <laughs> yeah. Like the fairy tales? So there's also these stories like, I try to put the girls telling also this story that to grow up listening, someone that's a urban legend, someone that are tales, mm -hmm. and at the end some a story that's true. Right. So always mixing, but somehow they have some pleasure on telling these stories and and Bia, the, the main character, she the one that don't don't let the morality and what's right or wrong, what the preacher says affect her. She just go doing what her body tells her to do, like right. in the opposite direction. Is that other other side of it too, where they have that youth, where mortality and death isn't? It's, it's like more of an adventure to them, like stories to tell. It's not something yeah, uh, real. Actually, the, the film was like much much time ago was inspired by a friend of mine that killed herself, mm -hmm. and she was a girl that we are like 1920 when that happens, and she was someone that lived lived on the edge. So when he, her, she took her life was something that was the first attempt right. and something that no one was expecting. And then I was very angry, very sad, but then I started reading about that and I came across a sentence that says something like, to be young is one to die without stopping living, it's right. to feel everything extremely. And somehow I start to think death not the opposite of being alive, but right. a result of living to the limit. Right. And that was like the, the beginning. And I think to be a teenager is to also to want to live in the limits. Right. I remember being a teenager girl and I have this pleasure of walking home alone at night. Today I'll take a cab. Right. But I remember my mom giving me the money for the cab. And I, 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 I did drama classes when I was 15. In a neighborhood was like uh, half an hour in a bus. And, uh, and or quickly in a cab. And I leave rehearsal like 10, 11 p.m. And instead of taking the cab, I take the bus right. home. And then I have to walk like for five blocks to my house and have a pleasure of doing that. It was not about saving the money. It was more like, I can do that. Right. I can be alone here, I can walk, and I have this pleasure of being dangerous. Now I can't even imagine right. doing something yeah. like that. And as a teenager, I was a much bigger target than I am right. today. But I think as a 
and even for boys or for girls, have this pleasure of doing things that. Yeah, it's. it's I don't think they can really. Yeah, their brains can't really comprehend. One of the memories that I have uh -huh. was the friends that we uh, go to because in Brazil, like going across the streets. The driver have okay. The, the the sign is red to the driver, but you have to check if the driver right, stops. Yeah, yeah. So we have this game that we just count to ten and go across the street. Don't yeah, look into the sign. Yeah. Had some. So I have. And I think teenagers have this kind of things that are always testing their bodies, always going to the limit. Someone's in a more deeper way, someone in a more light way, but everybody somehow is doing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just in. I don't know how in-depth or spoiler you want to get on here. I'll just put uh, a spoiler okay. warning on it. But it was that moment when they find the girl in the process of dying. When they share that moment, they share breath, basically. That's kind of where she flips and kind of feels that the real yeah. weight of what death is. is. Is that kind of like where you see her making that shift? Not, I don't want to say adulthood, but that shift into seeing this. Yeah, yeah. I think she's different from the others from the beginning. And for her being different, she was the one that goes near the body when the friends run away and then another day are like telling stories but they never saw anything. But she, I think in the kids, like somehow she's affected, it's like right, her, yeah. something that's transmitted. Right. That can be a virus or can be something more like a, inspired by vampire, but in right, the kids, yeah. it's like she's a... Like she life she yeah. Yeah. yeah, she changes and then yeah. she can't control herself anymore and she has to be in touch with this new feelings. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I noticed, I'm guessing it was a conscious choice, is the complete absence of the parents. The yes, yes. Any kind of adults, even teachers, uh, yeah. are, don't, doesn't appear. Yeah. So was, was that a choice just so you don't have that point of view? You just have the... the yeah, I think there are two reasons. Also, I made three short films with teenagers and I didn't show the adults so far. <laughs> But one is to give more time to the teenagers' issues because right. when it's, I think for me, when it's open to a man, a parents come to another story right, there, and they don't have to yeah. open to that. But also because I have this feeling that, especially in this neighborhood, there's all these teenagers that are like growing up on, on their own mm -hmm. because, like, uh, in the suburban area, the family moves there, but then the parents wake up like six in the morning, go to work on the other side of the city, and just go back late at night. And have this idea that since they are there in this in this building, a lot of fences, and the schools with a lot of fences, fences and security cameras, that everything is okay. Right. And all this, I didn't showcase that so much in the film, but these buildings in this neighborhood are, have a, a gym, a swimming pool, and right. this and that, so the teenager don't don't leave, right. just stay there. And uh, I remember I didn't grow up in, in that neighborhood, but remember like my teenager years, a lot of friends of mine that somehow. One of my best friends, when she was like 10, her parents divorced, and the mother didn't spoke to the father, and she was the one that had to transmit. Right. And then her mother went on a phase that started dating and dating a lot and traveling for boyfriends. And then the mother said, okay, go to a father, father's house tomorrow. I said, okay, sure. And she never went. And, and I remember 13 years old, sometimes stayed four or five days alone, eating noodles. And everybody goes there with like the house of everybody tried pot for the first time right, because yeah. the, the house they had to talk themselves off of those. Right. Teenage dreams. And it was like for some years until the parents, the father and the mother realized that she was always staying alone. Right. Or something really crazy. Right. And at that point, yeah. she's already had all the experiences. Yes, so. yes. And the other, like, uh, a lot of the movie comes from the three or four main female protagonists, but we do have the brother in yes. there. Yes. Like he, that was 
interesting to me too because it did feel for a portion of the movie that it was dealing more like the threats of like female femininity and sexuality. But then you kind of take a shift when they find a dead a dead male, and then the brothers dealing with this is missing love. Uh, is that just? Can you just explain that a little bit or uh, talk about that? In the beginning, the strips were much more like a multi-plot film and then I focused on Bia. But somehow I, I really want to showcase the brother because I think he relates much more of about was a lot of kind, a lot of side of being young today that it's just people that just don't have any energy to do anything. Right, yeah. And when the Bia is like Try to get it touch her body and go into the streets. He's like in the sofa, lost in, right. in his mind. And, and I think, all his contact is trying to like message. Yeah, in a very exaggerated point of view, but I think there are a lot of people that's like that. And just if someone is not online, it's the same as being dead. Yeah. And the, he's, and for me, he's also a teenager. But I think I know a lot of guys from my generation that just like João. Yeah. And. That's their communication. That's yeah, the world. for me, it's like the total opposite of the sisters. You like a, a, a romantic in a world that can't be romantic and really uh, and getting crazy because yeah. he can he can't realize that a girl just don't want to be with him. Right. And yeah. going. And if he can't get that connection online, he yeah. doesn't even consider to try to have the physical. Like, yeah, yeah. And the the other slight point point to this was uh, the religious like. And I think it was early this morning, but I, I, like she says something, or it's not quite like as explicit as like victim shaming, but there she says like these people died because they weren't yeah. doing what God wanted them to do. Yeah, yeah. So that's a strange. I mean, I know that's like a running theme in a lot of uh, more conservative religions. I yeah, actually, the, the evangelicals are really, really big in Brazil now. And you can find all kinds of evangelical churches, someone very conservative, that woman, can, that woman can dress this, can dress that, and also that try to attract teenagers. And I was very inspired by a, uh, one called Snowball Church. The name is also in English. And there is a big, big, how do they say, filial in this neighborhood called Barra. It was born up in Sao Paulo, and in this neighborhood in Rio de Janeiro, there's one big, big church right. near the beach, and they try to adapt it. So in the church, the altar is a surfboard, and things like that. And the yeah. priests are like teenagers or very young. The girls were cleavage. And for um, the second speech, she talks about the, the story of the, the bears. Uh -huh. I, was told, uh, I was like watching quotes online, because they shoot like one hour and a half and put this video on YouTube, and without and cutting, and I started just listening and writing. So it's almost, so it's like 90% yeah. was said by yeah. preachers. And I just adapted one word or another to uh, be in a more simple language, mm -hmm. but it was like almost took from a, what wow. a preacher really said. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the, the funk music we made for the film, mm -hmm. with some kind of irony, but yeah. there are a lot of church, evangelical church that use funk music or use rock music or yeah. electric, electronic music to attract people. We have those in the U.S. too, where they try to popularize yeah, A friend of mine that lives in downtown L.A., uh -huh. he said that just open next door to him uh, one church that's like really a hate for the evangelicals. Yeah. He was like 10 in the morning walking and he said, ooh, ooh, an after party. Yeah. No, it was a cult, just yeah. starting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to live by this gigantic church that was like that and they'd shut down traffic and they'd have buses coming in and they had coffee uh, shops. Universal, universal Church? Yeah. Ah, it was like, beginning in Brazil. Yeah. So. yeah. 
Now 30% of the Congress in Brazil are made of evangelical politicians. So Brazil is turning to a right wing now. Strange, just a strange world. They, like our uh, Bia seems on the outskirts of it, but her boyfriend seems the, the driving force in that. And his character is interesting to me because he wants, like, well, she wants, but he's fighting. Yeah, he's fighting the yeah. desire. He yeah. wants to be like her, but he's, he's, he's committed, he's committed, he's filled with guilty. That's yeah. the awful feeling to have. He yeah. has all this guilt inside of him. Yeah. And then he goes dating the, yeah. the other yeah. girl. Yeah, <laughs> and doing the same things. And the, the, I guess, if we want to, if we don't want to, but... And I try to showcase also that he never kisses beer on public. Yeah, I didn't consider it. Yeah, that, no, yeah. He, he, he wasn't her boyfriend. Right. He had, they had some arrangement and then he went to date the right girl. <laughs> right. Trying to guilt her into the, like, yeah. we should have waited and all of that. But then she has the, I don't get, I'll be vague here because I don't want to spoil everything, but she has that connection in the bathroom with the other person towards the end. Was, was that, like, was that just, like, her transformation or was that just touch or was that just for me somehow she has to put this desire because mm -hmm. kissing the other girl she got like these mixed feelings somehow right, yeah. what's happened here and i'm gay i'm not right but i don't know if a lot of people don't realize but these girls appear a lot of times before on the film yeah. with the boyfriend mm -hmm. she's the one that she's yeah at and i was some first of all i was inspired because i think that all high school there is this teenage yeah. couple that's always kissing right, like yeah. the one is like a lot of pda yeah and the, Everyone has remembered this couple. That's the one that can't yeah. grab their hands one of the others, and some, and and they are also living like experimenting a lot. So somehow she transfers some desire to the right. girl, and sometimes before she also try to put this desire on her best friend Mariana. She's trying to canalize, but I think this kid's just not okay. I'm looking for something more than right. that. Yeah. That's I mean, it probably says more about me as an audience member too, but it was a slight twist because I assumed she was looking at the boy the entire time. Ah, okay. No, there's one shot that the girl looked at yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. That's about where I kind of figured it out. Yeah. But before that, I just assumed yeah. that she was looking at the other side. How did, I mean, I, I looked you up on uh, your career up online, and this is your first feature. Yes. Like, how did that come about? Like, how did you get to that point? To I made three short films. The, and other ones smaller for like, but these three big short films. The first one was my graduation project in college, and and then after this first short film, uh, I didn't know anything about film festivals, but I just started sending. Right. And it and for my surprise, it was set in a lot of festivals in Brazil. Then I get some money prizes, and with that money, I did my second short film called Handball. In that one, I have more acknowledged. In my first short film, I even didn't know what's color correction. Right, yeah. I did it on, on Final Cuts in my home, <laughs> things like that. And for the second film, uh, then I start to like work with the DP that I'm working. Still now, there's a, a friend from college. And I form a group that have been working with me so far. And my second short film also started going to international film festivals, and I end up winning a Fipressi Award. And that was great. And then, uh, and then, these I get a much more money prize. Right. <laughs> and then I made my third short film, that luckily went to Directors for Tonight in Cannes. And then, I, I was started talking to a producer in Brazil called Vania Catani that was in in a jury in a festival when I debuted my first short film. 
And she was, since when I debut my first short film, she said, hey, if you have a feature project, please look for me. And I said, no, I just made my first short film in a long way, yeah. doing a feature. And then uh, at the time, I started talking to her again. And just after shooting my, my, my third film, was before, before Cud. And he started talking and he said, hey, I have this money that uh, because she won a money prize by the Brazilian agency, because one of her prior films went very well in the festival circuit. And she has a little bit of money that they reward her, that she has to put in another project in the scripts. And say, I have this and I have to apply in uh, one month from now or I'm going to lose this money. Do you have another treat? Do you have something? And I just have said, I don't know, I don't know if it's written in English, like 10 pages of the, right, the like a big synopsis. Yeah. yeah. And then I was, oh my God, what am I going to talk about? And I was actually working another feature project on my own, but I wasn't liking it. Right. And by some time I was feeling that I wanted to go back to what uh, my second short film, Handball, that's also a girl called Bia. I wanted to continue this working. And I want to make something more, more close to my short films. I want to continue with teenagers and really get deeper in what I was studying so far. And then I just, I wrote the first, in one month I wrote something and I gave, not a, a script, but I wrote 10 pages that then changes a lot, changes right. a lot, changes a lot. This was like 2011, in the middle, in September 2011. And then in 2012, I went to the short film to Cannes. And also we were there in uh, Fabrique de Cinema du Monde. There's a co-production thing where I meet people around the world. Then you find some a composition company in Argentina. Then I start working the script and the script, and then getting some funds. And in February 2014, we are shooting the film. So it was not so. Uh, was uh, for Brazil it was a fast process right. because three years prepare. It be, it's, uh, here in America, people normally do things faster, right, so but for Brazil is to get the fundings. And uh, I know. A lot of countries do funding a lot different than we do here. Like here, it's mostly just a commercial process. And a lot of countries yeah, have Yeah, no, like it's the only way to apply to a farm. Then eight months later, come yeah. the answer. And then more eight months, we have some money in our account. It's, right. a, it's a long process. If you, and you cannot get in the first time. And I, I struggle with which way is a better way to fund things, though, because I think. In that case, I mean, it's a longer process, but you get grants and you, I think you have a little more probably creative control at that point. Yeah, no, of course. So you can make more of the movie you want to. Well, here you can get funding super quickly, yeah, and but uh, you have a yeah. level of... And I went to a, a producer company that gave me total freedom yeah. to do whatever I want. Yeah. But in Brazil, actually, also the very commercial films, like romantic comments, are found in the same way. Really? But then they pay back with the box ops, but uh, right. the, the, there's a system fund films like there's a, like smaller films get different funding yeah yeah stuff. my my budget my total budget I think now is something like with everything with the launch in Brazil that will be soon I think it's like five hundred thousand dollars half a million dollars that's also that's good very good for a first film yeah, after uh, watching it, that's incredible. You got a name for that little, honestly. It looks like much more than that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And Rio is a very expensive city to shoot because yeah, there are a lot of foreign commercials there. And so people want a lot of money for any location. <laughs> One thing that just made when we're talking about visuals uh, pop in my head. If you don't want to explain everything and keep the mystery, that's okay. I support that. But the, the interesting visual to me is uh, a few times the bright light that pops up and then goes away. Like, is there, like, 
specific <laughs> like, like uh, metaphor you're going for there? Or? I, so that was something that much more to try to create some fantasy yeah. and some attraction like yeah. the light that's calling mm -hmm. her yeah. and this neighborhood there's all these lightnings right. or something just to build some like the, this and this lot this, the lot is calling her yeah. like come on be uh, something more like yeah. like that well, I, I enjoyed it so. I, I, I kind of hate asking those questions sometimes because I, I think mystery is good like let audience fill in things but you know it's always interesting to hear yeah yeah <laughs> do you have anything that you're already working on I'm in the beginning of a script now with no teenagers I think I have them done for that yeah. now. Is that just a group that fascinates you or is it something that you... For me, I think it's easy to talk about a period of my life that I have already lived. Right, yeah. And so, uh, and I think for me it's... I don't know, I like to sometimes there's a group of teenagers I just got my share clothes and start to hear how they are talking and I try yeah. to get in touch with that. Maybe because of the film I try to create this habit like I'm in the subway, a group of teenagers, let's listen. Yeah, like I pretend I'm playing a game, let's listen what they're talking. Yeah. And I can relate to many things that have been through that. But now I'm working with characters that are a little bit older. Yeah. But I like get to the 30s, that now I'm 30 years old, so also a period of time that I, a period that I can understand. I think for me it's easier than... I don't, for me it's crazy, someone like my age wanted to do a film with elder, elderly. Yeah. But uh, maybe it's a challenge that somehow I'm facing. But I think there are filmmakers that go both ways, or try to portray something that's very close, or that go to the extreme opposite. Mm -hmm. So is that your creative? Like, do you try to? Not that it's your life, but like you try to pull from autobiographical yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, I didn't experience all that be experience whatsoever. But some emotions that I have there that I can relate. Something about the. The, the way the friendships in a group of teenage girls that sometimes there's jealousy, sometimes they're envy one for another, but they can get off right. one another. That's very something that I can relate to. Right. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad I got to see the movie. So. Yeah, and, and I'm also not trying to also direct things that I haven't written. Right. There's a new new Is channel. For me, when I read, I have to be something close, but I'm now I'm trying to get projects. Is that more challenging, trying to find something that speaks to you the way that your scripts speak to you? No, I'm, I actually just want to get some money. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that would be a great challenge to direct something I haven't written, because when I written, it's like a more than three years process, the right. process of writing something. And sometimes when, when I hire to direct and have to also put your vision together with other people's vision, can be a great challenge also. Yeah, I always wonder about that, like the writer-directors versus just the directors, how they approach Yeah, uh, yeah also when I was an outdoor project, sometimes I, I know that I'm starting to write now, it's impossible for me to be shooting less than two years. And if I have an opportunity to shoot something in the right. beginning of next right. year, I'll be amazed to keep right. on shooting, so I'm trying to get hands-on on other projects, so yeah. they keep on directing. Did you, do, you, do you consciously know where you're like... Because it's a very visual film, like it's not just people talking. There's a lot of visual choices. Uh, where you is that just something that's instinctual to you, like your visual choices? Or yeah, yeah. I, I write I write for I write a very visual way. Mm -hmm. And normally, when I start to write, I'm inspiring. I'm inspired by. I want to shoot this. I want to do this frame, and then I build everything to shot that frame. 
did you ever do like photography or anything? No, no, not really. Okay. I don't. I'm very small. I don't like camera equipment. Yeah. No, when I was a teenager, I have my photography camera, film, and I do a lot of photos. Right. But now, just with my iPhone. Yeah. But I, like my, the first thing I uh, work with was editing. I really love editing. That's the hardest part. Yeah, I really, I love stages and the complete. For me, it's the half time in the film is editing. The scripts like a lot of suffering, a lot of changes, and sometimes you have something that we really love, and the producers say you can't afford that, change it. Yeah. And you're going to the yeah. shooting, and on this location is impossible, change this, change that. So it's like a, it's a process of a lot of suffering. And right. the set, I like a lot being on the set, but it's like the sprays yeah. thing right. being a set. And editing is when I can relax. And, if it's, and if it's not, we, I edit for four months the film, but coming and going. And then, okay, we, we work like two months in a row. And then I stop two weeks, and then okay, we do a finish one month. Then a month later, I talk. To the producer needs more three weeks, so we stop, take a breath, and then and okay, kind of, yeah. Arguably, you can make an entirely different movie in the edit room. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the way you, I, I think they've. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with those silly uh, where they recut trailers on YouTube and stuff to make like a yeah, comedy yeah, look like yeah. a horror movie. Like you can edit. Like, that's where all, a lot of the power of filmmaking is, yeah. so I can understand that. It's just an exhausting process. Like, I've done a little editing, and it just, it's so precise and so, ma almost mathematical. It's just, I admire that. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I don't want to take up your whole afternoon. We've been talking for half an hour. Oh, okay.